0: Yeah, welcome to the Film Study Podcast, uh, brought to you by We Run This Station, or as we like to call it around here, We Run This Shit. Uh, my name is Spencer Pacinger. I'm here with Dane Mork. Hello. How Do y'all you you wanna- doing? Do you want to pop in? We yeah, never, uh, so
1: <laughs> so uh, I am uh, helping to produce this podcast. My name is Matt Perre, former minor leaguer uh, with the San Francisco Giants, now working as a social producer at Uninterrupted. Um, so WRTS <laughs> is our athlete-run podcast station. So very fitting. Three former athletes all in a room together.
2: Correct talking film. All in the room together. So producer Matt will sit in on these uh, shows that we're hoping to do weekly. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to start. Yeah, we're going to um, get together weekly and talk, you know, everything sports entertainment related. Um, yeah. You know, Spencer and I's story started with the show All American, which is based on Spencer's life. Um, and Spencer can speak to that a little bit.
0: Yeah, just a little be- uh, background on myself. Uh, again, my name is Spencer Pasinger. I went to University of Oregon, went undrafted to the New York Giants in 2011. I won a Super Bowl with them my rookie year. Uh, played for them for four years and then went down to Miami for two years. Uh, ultimately, finished my career with the Carolina Panthers for a total of seven years and ended up selling a TV show to Warner Brothers called All American, loosely based on my life. Uh, now we're producing that show, myself and Dane, and doing a lot of other cool stuff.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, the, the origin of this podcast really came from All American, where We went through, as former athletes, we went through the development process and selling a show together. Um, Pretty much, it was a daily (laughs) routine. So, you know, going through that and kind of having that athlete mentality, um, which was fresh after eight years in the entertainment industry for me, uh, coming from Spencer, was uh, a real experience. And we got to share our love for film and all things TV and entertainment. And we realized, you know, a lot of our coworkers and former athletes and current athletes had a lot to say in what we were doing. And... We're curious how it happened.
0: Well, you know, the common misconception about athletes is when they're not on the field playing, everybody thinks they're partying, they're doing drugs, they're just living that so-called life when really we're just too sore to get up off our couch. So what are we doing? We're binge-watching Netflix. We're on Hulu. We're, you know, we're just doing anything possible not to think about our body. And for me, I mean, growing up and even in college and in the NFL, it was watching movies. I remember my first... uh, Off day with the Giants, I went to a theater in Secaucus, New Jersey and watched like three or four movies straight just because it made me not think about how sore and beat up my body was. And I think that was sort of the premise before we even knew that this was going to be a podcast years later, that we realized that athletes like to talk about movies. You know, uh, Dane's good friends with Julian Edelman. You know, he can sit here and talk to you about the Rocky series for like three hours. Yeah,
2: nonstop. Yeah, like
0: guys like, uh, like Alex Mack and, and Kiko Alonso, like they're heavy into documentaries. So we just wanted to have that, you know, that platform for athletes to come in here, talk about the movies they grew up on, the TV shows they're watching now, and stuff they're looking forward to. And that's where the idea for Film Study came from.
2: Yeah and you know we've we've heard a lot of amazing stories and even talked to people in the industry through All-American and just you know this experience uh, just what they get from sports you know from that end and what people in sports get from entertainment and there's there is a mix and there's a blend. I always kind of, there's always a saying where I feel like athletes always wanted to be actors and actors always want to be athletes.
0: Well, now it's switching to And like, now it's kind of switching. It's switching to like rappers want to be athletes and athletes want to be rappers. I know like even LeBron said that recently and it's it's somewhat true. I've never wanted to be a rapper before, but yeah. you know, there's some truth in it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And I think there I think there's some duality with this when it comes to, you know, athletes just wanting to talk about cool shit that they like and- for us, luckily, we have a platform to to share it with you guys. Yeah, and should we? Uh, should we I mean, should yeah, we dive in?
2: yeah, we you know we can we can dive in. I mean, obviously, the big news this past week, just in regards to the entertainment space, was the Oscars. Yeah, and uh, a lot of news came from the carpet, and a couple things we wanted to focus on. One of them was Space Jam Two. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which is cool to hear about. Um, It's finally happening. It's real. Um, Yeah, it's July 16th coming out. uh, July 16th, 2021, I believe. And this is cool because we always wanted that sequel. We didn't realize what it was going to be. You know, there have been rumblings before that it was going to happen with guys like Kevin Durant and even Kobe Bryant. And I actually looked it up and the sequel to Space Jam was supposed to be a spy movie with Jackie Chan. Really? Yeah. Eventually, I guess he... Backed out and it went towards a, another direction. But imagine a space jam, too, where like they're in Koreatown or something like big news in, in little China. It's something I don't know. It's just weird. I just watched Shanghai Nights <laughs> and Owen Wilson yeah. and Jackie Chan together. Was so I, I'm I actually would have enjoyed that. I mean, so for like five years, Jackie Chan was a god. And that's, he's still that's pretty just
2: cool. I just don't know what he's up to. <laughs> he did a badass movie last year. The
0: Foreigner, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that, yeah that, that was cool. One. That was good. It's like old Jackie Chan still whooping ass, which was legit. It's nostalgic. Yeah. He's but athletic in his own right. He's an athlete in his own right. But who... Okay, so one of the biggest things from Space Jam 2 was the soundtrack. And obviously, like, we're not... Calling R. Kelly to do the soundtrack again? <laughs> no, I
2: think he's busy. But
0: like, who's going to be that person that gives us like the "I believe I can fly" again, or like "I'm still flying"? I I don't like. What's the term for it? Is I it? I don't know. Are we calling on Bruno Mars? Are we calling on Kendrick? I I feel like Bruno Mars would would give us a quality song.
2: Uh, yeah, and I'm just picturing a bunch of the Looney Tunes. So <laughs> like, it would it kind of goes hand in hand. I think a little better than R. Kelly now. <laughs>
0: Let's hope. Let's hope. I mean, hope. but, but uh, time is undefeated.
2: We were excited about that, you know. Uh, we're sentimental guys, and nostalgia is a big part of kind of the, the movies we're into. And you know, I do feel like they're remaking everything. But Space Jam Two is a, I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's absolutely. a good, <laughs> that's and a proper I'm, entry.
0: And just to warn you, like we're going to talk a lot about Marvel and DC on this show. We're like pseudo comic book nerds, um, but uh, some good news came out with the merger from Marvel into. Uh, Disney Studios, where the merger looks like it's going through in what, mid March?
2: Yeah, so for those unfamiliar with what happened, I mean, Disney basically bought 30% of the film <laughs> industry, and that included, you know, Fox's and um, some of Sony's, more so just Fox, more Fox Entertainment and their character. Uh, their character list of, uh, Marvel comics. And, um, so for so long they were unable to kind of use that gallery and mm-hmm. now they finally can. And Kevin Feige, who's the president of Marvel studios is on the red carpet, uh, for black Panther, uh, which, you know, had like 10 hundred nominations <laughs> and, uh, was just talking about how the merger finally closing. They would, all, I feel like every time you read news, it's like, it'll be next month. It'll be next month. And then a year later, it's still not happening. Yeah. So, you know, they said mid-March it'll be, it'll, it should wrap up. And, uh, I kind of wonder if they'll slip anything X-Men related into uh, the movies moving forward in 2019. I feel,
0: I've heard rumors that apparently Wolverine is in Game. I don't believe it at yeah. all, but again, I don't like to watch- I don't want him
2: in that movie, to uh, be honest with you.
0: I don't like to watch any spoilers for these movies before coming out. You're different in that. I'm you different. try to send me shit and spoilers and Easter eggs shit. that are coming out, and I'm like, don't show me because I want to sit it. there as a kid in a candy store and just be mesmerized of what I'm watching.
2: This guy gets so pissed. <laughs> Leading up to infinity, where he was losing it. He That's because you were sending
0: say, you were sending me shit every single day. I know,
2: but you were all capsing me, and I was like, "All right, fine, I get it." <laughs> so it was it actually works.
0: one thing. Here are two things that I'm looking forward to when the merger happens. Yeah. One, can they keep James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender in their in their roles, uh, Professor X and Magneto? You can do away with everybody else. I really don't care, but. If there is a cool way to keep those two strong actors in this universe, I think it could have some dividends. Also, who is playing Wolverine? Yeah, that's, that's a whole conversation. I, I, I actually
2: wonder if he'll even show up in this movie, and I doubt he will. But this is basically Dark Phoenix, which released a trailer last night in the recent international, uh, or I'm sorry, released a trailer this week. Um, it was getting a lot of heat, and it's basically the last property that Fox will put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, before they convert to Marvel Studios, and um, as Matt put it, this shot I'm looking out of Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> she's so over being there. She's just undone. She's Completely undone. You know, it's the fourth one. She's like, man, like by the way, these movies, every all of these past four X Men movies span. T- they're ten years later. Yeah. No one's aged, and yeah. I know everyone. That's like a kind of a running joke. But I just want to clarify because Jennifer Lawrence in that trailer last night looked younger than she did in like. The first or second other ones, yeah. yeah. What did you say? What did you say her well, reaction was? Well,
1: she just kind of looked like she, the makeup just in general, <laughs> that was what I was looking at. It's just, she went from like, she, it was just like dark, dark blue yeah. to just right. like powdered, powdered blue. Yeah. And it's like, clearly like, it's the, the, oh, Hey, this is Jennifer Lawrence makeup. On Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique, yeah. like it's not, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's not. She was Mystique, like more more J Law, like, less Mystique. Like yeah. we want
0: you to know that this is Jennifer Lawrence in this movie, right? Yeah. And it's it comes from like she got big after she committed to this franchise, and for the past two or three movies, we've all watched her. Like she really doesn't want to be here. So even in the trailer, it's heavily alluding to her dying, and I'm pretty sure she was like, "Kill me off. I don't want to go through this merger." Like. Set me free. Yeah, I think hey, no, did. no spoilers
2: though. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah.
0: No spoilers. But like the trailer does have a grave and have Gene Grey saying like she that, was my best friend. It's quotes. the
2: next shot after <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is like, like it's okay, and then everything blows up. So, yeah. uh,
0: but it's you know it's it's that movie to where this is their last go round with the studio. So why not just blow everything to shit? I get that. Kill people. You know, it's do away with everybody. Like. Kill everybody. They, it
2: may just be a different, like a
0: completely different, I don't know, it's
2: comics, they can do whatever they want. Make it,
0: make it their
1: infinity war, but instead of half, it's just all. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Oh, damn, the snap was actually just the Fox merger. Well,
1: could you guys, could you guys talk about, since you guys are in Hollywood um, and in these meetings. Sounds weird. Right? Um, That's true. But you guys are, you guys are in the industry and. Like, people frustrated, the Marvel fanboys who are frustrated that this is taking so long. I mean, how long does it take to get something made in in Hollywood?
0: I mean, there have been times where we've sent out emails or or just wanted a quick answer from somebody, and it's like four to six weeks, sometimes even months, to get a response back. And as an athlete, when you essentially have to rely on quick decisions and and just finite decisions when it comes to playmaking— to sit there and wait weeks, potentially months, for an answer is nerve-wracking. I remember, like, Dane's been in this industry longer than uh, me, but when we were going through this whole process, I was, like, racking my brain trying to figure out why haven't they emailed us back yet. And he's like, listen, this is how it goes here. They just move by a different set of rules in a different time frame, and I'm still adjusting to that, Yeah. but it's just fucking wild. It's, it's just wild how slow people move mm-hmm. in this industry.
2: It's it's really interesting, too. I mean, I, I, I've, yeah, I've, been, I've been in this industry for about eight years, and I was working in Unscripted and Documentary for quite a while before I made the transition to Scripted. Um, and, you know, I remember when I was at Washington State, I, was, I played football at Washington State for a couple of years, and I really, I really got into film and journalism, and that kind of, you know, uh, gave me the platform to get into entertainment and kind of explore this space. And when I got into it, I realized I was kind of taking things with an athlete's mentality. Uh, if mm-hmm. someone told me to do something I did it. yeah you know if someone hit me with an email and was asking me a question, I didn't wait a fucking week to be <laughs> like, oh my bad, I've been super busy. I couldn't get on this <laughs> and like take a five second response to get to you yeah And with a, a project, it's hard because you put so much time into it and like you care so much about it and you don't know how, how people feel you don't yeah. know how, how they're gonna react to your to, to what you're putting out there and you know so I would say you know Spencer and I met, In 2016, and that was in October on a bye week he flew back from Miami. And from that moment, you know, I mean, we're here now, the 13th episode of All American Just Aired. And, um, you know, it's been close to three years. Um, But just to get that made in general, it took probably
0: probably two years. About two years. And, you know, just going back to just the time frame and and how people kind of see People with an athletic background in this industry. I remember, do you remember when we were, I forget what episode it was, but Spencer scores a touchdown and the confetti pops. Right. So that night when we were shooting it, it was like four o'clock in the morning, everybody was dog tired, and the confetti machine actually malfunctioned and blew earlier than needed. Yeah. So just imagine like thousands of pieces of confetti all over the field, it's kind of windy, and we need to clean it up to make sure like we don't see it on the screen when Spencer scores another touchdown. Right. All of a sudden, our our line producer, uh, Ed Tapia, shout out to Ed, he gets up and starts running. And it's like, we need to go pick this up. And me, him, and Dane were the first people on the ground picking up just the little shards of, of confetti. And eventually, like people, everybody else started joining in, and we got it done in about five minutes or so. But the next day, we get there, and I was almost getting praised for getting out of my chair and picking it up. They are like, we never really see producers doing that. Like... They sit in the chairs. It's usually something for crew. I'm like, this is a this is a team thing. Like, if something needs to happen, like, right. I'll go do it. Yeah. I'll go get the coffee. I'll go, you know, wait for such and such. I'll go tell somebody whatever you guys need me to tell. Like, I'm here to help. So that was one of the other like learning curves I came with being in this industry is that as much as I'm trying to learn this industry, I'm trying to put my skill set into it. Yeah, you know,
1: and in doing so, you guys picking it up. You guys probably like. Freaked out a bunch of uh, production assistants. They probably like
2: oh they lost their I mean, shit. They're like
1: oh my like speaking as a production assistant, I'm like oh my shit. Like two producers just got up and like started <laughs> picking up confetti. What am I supposed to be Dude, doing? But, I'm at my
2: lockup. Like oh man. <laughs> I, but but I, I remember being in that. I was in that position. Right. I was a production assistant, but I was an athlete. And you know, you would see stuff like that and it would give you anxiety. You didn't know why, because you knew someone was there is looking at you as to like, you better go pick that shit up. Right. And like, you know, their job is to make sure you do your job and to make you feel like you're always on edge. And that's not yeah, everywhere, yeah. but we can, you know, you can read those things and you can read someone's body language and how they're feeling on set and how they're, you know, how they're how they're moving and how they're relating to everyone. And some of the PAs, you know, you sit down in one of the producers' chairs and then you get up and you're moving. Places they're behind <laughs> you already, just folding it. Like, okay, yeah. okay, and you're like, I got it. It's yeah, a chair. Right. It's, like when I it,
0: when I pick up my chair and move it twenty feet, they're like, no, no, no. Like we'll get it for you. I'm like, chill the fuck out. Yeah. Like I got my own chair. I'll handle my own weight here. It's it's a five pound chair. I can handle more than that. Yeah. So it's it's just a weird dynamic in this world because you realize that some of these people didn't grow up with that sports background mm-hmm. and they don't know essentially what it means to work towards that team goal. So now that we're in it, we want to implement as much as our skill set into this world as we can and hopefully foster, you know, we're working on some scripted and unscripted ideas ourselves, but as big as we get, hopefully fingers crossed, we want to have our skill set and our values get just as big with us.
2: And understand how we got there. You know, I think I think we know exactly, you know, why you know we have things in this business and why they worked out. I think there's a really good You can get a really good idea when you meet someone within this industry of who's worked for something and who hasn't. And I think that's just the way they carry themselves. Not all, but a lot. And that's been pretty eye-opening, I think, with our experience. And um, if anything, this has given us a wonderful platform to share these stories that can come from sports or athletics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I do remember sitting, you know, late at night when I lived with with Julian and Mm -hmm. um, he was talking about Rocky and, you know... He hadn't won the Super Bowls yet. He hadn't done these things, but there was passion behind that because that was something he gave a shit about. Yeah. And that was something that was important to him. Yeah. And, you know, now these athletes are understanding that, okay, well, Spencer did it through this, you know, through Warner Brothers, through CW with Greg Berlanti and Robbie Rogers, you know, shout out to them because they, they helped us push the project. Yeah. But, you know, they're not, they're asking us now, like, yo, how did that happen? Like, yeah. can we just talk about it instead of someone coming at them and being like, "This is what you're doing." I'm speaking for you.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I
2: think that's been a really refreshing approach for people, and they're gravitating towards that.
0: It, um, shoot, Michael Thomas, safety for the Giants. Uh, Arian Foster. He's a he's a good friend of Uninterrupted. A good friend of mine as well. Um, I remember me and Arian played together in Miami uh, during his brief stint there after he retired. I mean, before he retired. And we, we talked casually in the locker room, but nothing as deep as the stuff we're talking about now. But once news got out that I was doing All-American, he, kind of, he hit me up and was like, I wish I would have known this before because we could have talked about so many things because he was working on his own stuff. Uh, Michael Thomas is working on his own stuff. We're actually helping him uh, push out an idea that he's working on right now. But just having this platform has allowed me to reach out to other athletes. And, and athletes reach out to me just saying, How'd you do it? And one, like, is there any way that I can get an idea out, or if you can just show me the bones? And that's all we're about is, yes, we kind of opened the door ourselves, but we want to keep it open for other athletes to have a platform to tell the cool stories that they have.
2: Yeah, and just say what they want to say, not you know, from some other you know <laughs> direction. But it's it's been refreshing, and it's been a really cool opportunity, and the show's been received great, and. Um, there's like 10 Spencers on set, so it's I'm I mean, real Spencer it's so on set. confusing. Like, yeah. you got
0: to call me real Spencer on set. And
2: I don't think, like, and we're, we play coaches on the on the show. We're, we're Tay Diggs, uh, Beverly Hills coaches. I'm the special teams um, coach, and Spencer's D the D coordinator. We
0: have no lines yeah. working on that.
2: No lines. A lot of <laughs> nodding. So if you ever watch All-American and you see the assistant coaches and they're just looking at each other, we're just looking at the same
0: play. It's a, it's a 6'3 black eye with a beard. And uh, I'll give you six foot. I'll give you five eleven. Thank six you. Foot.
2: That's cool. I yep. went to the DMV the other day, so it was five eleven and there I lost go. it. I was stoked.
0: <laughs> you got shoes on. I'll give you. I'll give you six yeah, foot. Yeah, fans, a six man. foot white guy just standing there, not saying anything behind Tay in his blind spot. So yeah, that's us. It's kind of reference. funny, and
2: and you know you go on these sets and there's so many people and you don't know who's a producer, who's an actor, who's whatever. And I swear to God, some people thought I was Spencer's agent for <laughs> the first like six episodes because they were like, "Who's this white dude just like walking around?" You look the
0: part though. Yeah. You look the
2: yeah, part. yeah. I was in Beverly gear, but um, you know, and and last thing we'll say about that, you know, that all American came from our background. I'm from Palos Verdes. I played at Peninsula High School uh, football. One of our rivals was Beverly Hills in the Bay League. And, you know, Spencer and I, the day we met, we we figured out that all American was something we could, we could take a little further, you know, we thought, but also that LA football, you know, like our, our, these, this was our backyard. We had so many things in common and And I think our love for film was just kind of something that was, you know, I didn't see coming. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Spencer has the same reactions in films I do. You know, you have that buddy, you look over and they got the same thing. You're like, shit, cool. (laughs) You know, and and that's how he and I have been. And it's been refreshing to go through this process with someone, especially with, like I said, with that mentality. And, um, you know, also with very familiar, a very familiar background in regards to where we are yeah and los angeles and bay league and ocean league football yeah. and all that you know so
0: we see cool. we see a lot of movies together we we watch a lot of tv shows together even when we're like writing on our scripted stuff we're in the same room looking at looking at tv and film when it, when it comes to just our creative process so a, a lot of what this podcast is going to be is us you know possibly reviewing movies and tv shows and just giving our unfiltered thoughts um, yeah yeah. We're and,
2: enthusiasts. We're yeah. film enthusiasts. You know, I'm not going to Siskel and Ebert it, but I'm going to, you know, tell you my honest opinion and Spencer will too. We have no
0: background. We have no background in like film critiquing. Is that the word? Critics?
1: Critics? critic, Critiquing. Critics. Criti- critiquing. <laughs> critiquing. Yeah. Critiquing. Uh, uh, critiquing. We
0: have no background in that. We're just two guys that see a lot of movies and talk about them. And mm. I, that's just, that's the bones of what this podcast is going to be. But as our inaugural episode, um, the Oscars just wrapped. Yeah, um, and that's been a big thing in Hollywood these past few days. Where a lot of you know, a lot of Oscars went out. You knew they were going to win, and then there were some surprises. So uh, we can kind of dive into you know some of the some of the bigger categories and just give our thoughts toward that. So I know we talked about the um, the best adapted screenplay went to Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. with it. I was I was completely fine with that. Yeah. Um, I think. What do you What are you calling uh, What are you calling Black Klansman? Oh. So, hot take. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Black Klansman. So, I, when the movie came out, people were saying that this was Spike Lee's best film ever. Mind you, this is the guy that gave us Do the Right Thing. This guy that gave us Malcolm X. Like, right. These are films that are being taught at universities right now. Mm-hmm. But I think Black Klansman is the most easily digestible Spike Lee movie. So, where anybody across the line, wherever you are on that spectrum, you can watch it and be like, this was a good movie. Whereas, if you're watching a Malcolm X or a dude, or I think you may not be able to relate to it. So I think, obviously, playing into the times a little bit, this was a movie that fit the time perfectly mm-hmm. and it got an award out of it. So I was totally fine with that. But when people say, oh, this is the best film ever, I'm like, chill. Like, he's the guy that gave us school days.
2: People are throwing a lot of best film ever <laughs> shit around with some of these, like, I'm sorry, like, not, not this match, just somewhat mediocre, mediocre films. Yeah, no, I, I I enjoy Black Klansman. I this whole Oscars to me, you know, Green Book won Best Picture, and yeah, but the list in general and kind of what was out there, there wasn't a movie in 2018 that was nominated for Best Picture that blew me away. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody was not what people were calling it. I had a good time.
0: It was a it was a good but time. Y- I, but you at know what? The you
2: know what? We it's 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 like this. I feel like if you made a, a movie about Journey, mm-hmm. people don't know shit about Journey. But if you go to a bar. And that song, what's that song, Don't Stop Believing, comes on. Every single person in the bar looks at each other and is like, oh my God, it's journey. Yeah. And they lose it. What? And and so they would go to that movie and the exact same shit would happen in a movie theater. (laughs) So, you know, I I, there's there's aspects of like where a lot of the films that came out right now, timing-wise, they just made sense. Yeah. And I think you understand what I mean by that in regards to getting with music. You're touching upon a lot of, you know, racial issues, you're doing a lot Mm -hmm. of things. And I feel like we're getting to a point where it's great that we can tell these stories, but I feel like we're learning as we go still. And a lot of these people that are telling these stories, they're learning as they go. It's just how hard this is.
0: But as a kid, I didn't know who Queen was. I didn't know who Freddie Mercury was, but I played for the Rockies in Little League. And our chant was, we will rock you. And I remember being in the dugout, and that was our war cry. To pump us up. Right. And just even, even going through the soccer like they have so many songs that spoke to my childhood of, you know, we are the champions. Like we played that. Every kid I, knows that song. I feel like every single
2: athlete in America had a exactly. highlight tape or like something at the end of the year <laughs> that sunk in with we will rock you or we are the
0: champions or but something. I think the, the biggest loser when it comes to Bohemian Rhapsody is actually Rocky Man. And the, the movie coming yeah. out with uh, Aaron uh, Taren 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 Egerton, Egerton. The
1: Elton John biopic. El, the yeah. Elton John
0: biopic, because right now I kind of see this landscape to where the music is going to sell the movie ticket. To where you can go and sit in a the movie theater for two hours, and you're going to hear all the best songs from your favorite uh, from your favorite artist. And the story's going to be there, but you're banking on listening to those uh, listening to those songs that you know and love. Yeah. And I think that's what happened with Bohemian Rhapsody is there were so many just hard hitting songs that spoke to everybody's past that the story was great, but um, like Sasha Baron Cohen was supposed to play Freddie Mercury. And he stepped out because he wanted to show the nitty gritty of what this late 70s and 80s was. So nah, he wanted imagine, to go hard. Imagine the mind of Sasha Baron cocaine. Cohen on a Freddie Mercury biopic like that would have been insane yeah that right now that's probably my favorite movie and it hasn't even been made yeah but the story was there I felt like they pulled back on a certain things to make it just more appealing to to a mass crowd but again it was the music that drove the movie it wasn't necessarily the concept of the movie and I think when it comes to Rocky Man and Elton John coming out it's coming out in like May right like that's something that it might We might get caught up in the fatigue of Bohemian Rhapsody. And, you know, this is where the landscape is going. I know uh, Showtime is releasing a miniseries about the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. Uh, And this is just the first wave of it. Yes, biopics, music biopics have been around for generations or whatever, but this could be potentially the next wave of, you know, how Hollywood went through like its vampire phase. And it's, that's just, (laughs) this might just be the next thing, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, what's Robert Pattinson doing? <laughs> um, uh, that was the Twilight dude, right? Twilight, yeah. yeah. With the hair. He actually Hot topic. Was,
0: somebody was talking about him for Batman, and I'm like, hard pass. No,
2: but I, I get that, and you know, I, I'll still see Rocket Man. But like, even in 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 uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, I I, I watch that opening scene, and mm-hmm. it's it's the it's spoiler alert it's the Live aid, you know, yeah. which which you know bookends at the end of the movie, and I, I remember kind of looking over and being like, it was a cool intro. Yeah, cool. I'm in a good mood. It's like, because it, it was Queen. It was like playing. It was playing a Queen track over s- something cool visually. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was enjoying it, but also understanding what this movie was. And a lot of the Best Picture nominees and adapted screenplay and, um, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Where is it? Uh, yeah, the best, you know, adapted and original screenplay were a lot of the same, you know, people. And a lot of these films, I just didn't, I didn't love as much as maybe you did. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I love Black Panther. Um, I loved all the nominations. Got Ruthie Carter deserved to win. Yeah. Uh for costume design, because that was amazing. She's a beast. She is a beast. She's been a beast too. She's been a beast. Like, and that's decades. also a shout out to Ryan Kugler, who yeah. is a Sacramento State football alum. Yeah. And Ryan has a crazy story. He does have a crazy story, but he, you know, he did amazing things with that film. And if anything, I took away from the Oscars too with all these nominations and everything that was going on, is it's a very different time right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just watch it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, we're getting to tell these stories on a platform like this, but you know, uh, in ways, we're still learning as we go, which I know you can attest to with what happened with Green Book. Yeah. And you know, with some of those films. Um, but uh, to me, Spider Verse should have won everything. But, <laughs> you know, I, I. Those are my general thoughts on it. I, 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 I did enjoy Bohemian, and I really enjoyed. I did enjoy Green Book and I enjoyed a majority of the Best Picture nominees, but there was nothing there in the past years where I was like, man, this is blowing me away. Yeah. If this doesn't win this, I'm going to lose it. And, you know, I I think, you know, there's been the, the superhero genre. Black Panther just getting a nomination in general is big for the superhero genre. Yeah. I know how people are looking at it, but like, I don't know if people really realize this. They had to up the, the Best Picture nominees in 2008 because The Dark Knight wasn't nominated. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I remember looking back on that now, you're like, what? Yeah. That would be best picture if, this year. If series.
0: any movie, was, if any superhero movie was supposed to be nominated, it should have been Dark Knight.
2: Yeah. I mean, we were watching Winter Soldier the other
0: day, and I was yeah. kind of losing my shit. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, you know, it, 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 it it's nice to see that these forms of art are being acknowledged, and that was cool to see, and, you know, I uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see a year from now how the Oscars look as well. So, um, yeah, did you uh, want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the actors and actress nominees?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The uh, so the best actor and supporting actor went to Rami Malek and Mahershala Ali. Rami for obviously Bohemian Rhapsody, and Mahershala yeah. for Green Book. And 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 Malek did do a good job. He did. He, he did. He did. But like, but I'll stop there. That's I all. St- I still want to see a Sasha Brown call. Just give me a scene. Just have him recreate a scene of Freddie. We'll do Mercury a skit in his vision because yeah. it would it would blow my mind to see that because I know he he would get fucking twisted. I've
2: been revisiting Borat lately. <laughs> It's the best.
0: <laughs> but, like, like, Mahershala is becoming, you know, not becoming, he is. He's that guy. Imagine mm-hmm. imagine winning an Oscar, your second in three years, and that night the season finale for True Detective drops, and it essentially, like, rebirths True Detective. Season two was a dud. Season one was masterful. This season three for True Detective, they bring it back to form. Yeah. And, bro, he's just killing it. He's, he is. he's killing it in all aspects, and... Salute to him. He was a, he was a point guard for, for St. Mary's. St. Mary's in Stockton? I believe, yeah. Yeah, in NorCal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went by, it's it's funny because in college, he went by Herschel Gilmore. So his real name is like Mahershala's Baz, Ali. And Gilmore, Gilmore. Happy. But it's like <laughs> in, in college, he took like, you know, one part of his name and then now acting, he like literally just recreated the other half of his name. So he, I think it's dope.
2: In the ESPN threw up a video the other day on their Twitter Dude hustles. Yeah. He's is what he's what they call in football a high motor guy. Yeah, and uh, that was cool to see. But also, I bet you Marvel's kicking kicking their own tail for just wasting him in Luke Cage. Yeah, they're like, damn.
0: Well, I always say I know he's a little bit older. He's like forty something right now, I believe. But he looks exactly the same. He looks the same. He's, he's drinking a lot of water. And, yeah, like, he's Benjamin. Exfoliating Butting. or yeah. something. But it, he had a. It's one of his first clips. He breaks away for. Like a very fierce layup. Yeah. You thought it was gonna be a dunk. He's yeah. wearing 23. I'm like, okay, he's, he's got the Jordan on him. Nope. Straight no. up layup. But he, the dude, the dude does not age. He, he did averaged, make it. He he made it though. Yeah, he, he made, made it though. He yeah. averaged like three points and like one rebound, but he shot 35% from three point range. So there's give and take. But three point average over four years, like you chose the right career path.
2: Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Um, and then for best supporting actor or for, for uh, best supporting supporting actress, that was uh, Regina King, and um, you and uh, you and your wife saw that movie, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: uh, Bill Street can talk. By it was written and directed by Barry Jenkins, yeah. and Barry Jenkins actually wrote this movie while he was writing Moonlight. Um, he didn't have the rights to this movie, uh, well, to the book. The book is if Bill, if Bill Street Can Talk by James Baldwin. After he wrote the movie, he reached out to the Baldwin family to get their blessing, which I thought was dope. And it, it, if he didn't do Moonlight, they probably wouldn't have said yes to if Bill Street Can Talk. So that just kind of plays into how masterful he is because right. watching If Bill Street Can Talk... He gets the most out of like somebody's face. Like half the movie is just facial shots of somebody like smirking or smiling or like cringing, but Reactions. it's so beautiful. Even the score of the movie was amazing. That it it was just insane. And I think if it was a dark horse to win uh, its awards, but Regina King, I mean, she's been thriving for what thirty years now. Yeah, like, she's she been had. I remember her from, you know, Boys in the Hood when she had box braids playing, like, the Slightly Ghetto, like, good friend. <laughs> but now she's, she's a queen, man.
2: No, that was great. And uh, you actually, I did not see The Favourite. You saw The Favourite. Yeah. And you looked at me and you were like, see The Favourite. Yeah. See the favorite.
0: <laughs> to me, that should have won best screenplay or like best costumes up there with Black Panther and Ruthie Carter, but
2: You also said Emma Stone crushed
0: it. Emma Stone crushed see, that's the thing is is Rachel Wiseman, I mean uh Rachel Weiss, Emma Stone, and Olivia Coleman, like there was never a leading actress. I feel like they gave her the leading actress not just because she played um Queen Anne. Yeah. But all three of them were kind of sort of like a clusterfuck of supporting actress where I wouldn't have been mad if, if any of them won because to me, I think it was dope. I think the movie was dope. I think the, the costumes were dope. The story was dope. Like The ending was, was funny to me. I, I'm not going to uh, spoil it for the people that haven't Don't seen it. Don't blow
2: the favorite for me.
0: <laughs> the, the dialogue was just so precise, so just keen that if it won awards, I would have been totally fine with it. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it a shot. Watch it. We'll probably we'll probably end up watching it together anyway. I'll so. give a shot. The uh the I, I think about
1: like when two people from the same movie are going up for the same award, that's like two teammates going up for MVP or yeah. like or a oh, different did, award, there's, right? there's, there's for yeah.
2: sure side eye from the rose. Like
0: yeah, you know. <laughs> Like if one wins, they should just like cut it in half and give it to the other. Just yeah. because like most of the movie is Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone just just combating each other and Again, they were both up for, for Best Supporting Actress.
2: It's, it's funny. You always see they have those, uh, when they're up for the award and they're announcing it and it shows like thumbnails of every person like waiting mm-hmm. there. And I was watching Tropic Thunder the other day and they yeah. did it. And like Ben Stiller wins for uh, whatever Robert Down the movie about, yeah, yeah. about it. And like it's all these thumbnails and everyone actually kind of loses their shit. Like yeah. John Voight like loses it. <laughs> but you see like everyone at these award shows so composed in real life. And you know internally they're like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. I should have won this.
1: Yeah. If you were, if you heard your name, like I or for me, I like I feel like I wouldn't even register first, and I would look around to be like, "Did they just say
2: my Is name? That just, Is that me? Is that right?
0: They call my name, right? Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Full Zoolander Hansel moment. Right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh God. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, and then for best director, uh, Roma, this dude Alfonso Cuarón. Wins every time every he makes a movie. Every
0: time he does not miss. He
2: he's incredible. He and won he,
0: best cinematography too.
2: He did, and yeah, yeah, he like, did. He best best cinematography, best director. Um, he did Gravity. He's done Children of Men. Each time he yeah.
0: This dude every time he writes or directs something, it's probably going up for an award. So imagine being his inbox of just showing that he has a new movie coming out. He's probably getting the best talent possible. And I haven't seen Roma, but everybody I've talked to said it's beautifully shot. I knew he was going to win best cinematography just because of that. Every still you see is amazing.
2: I heard a good I had heard a cool I don't know tons of his work, but mm-hmm. I heard a cool comparison the other day. Uh and we've talked about this. You know, you know when like Christopher Nolan has a new movie coming out and like you don't even have to know what it is, yeah. but you're like like that he just has a release date for a new film. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm hyped. Yeah, you know, I used to get a feeling when I knew he was making a new movie, and uh, a friend of mine was just saying like, that's kind of how I feel about Corone. Yeah, um, he's like, every time he makes a movie, it's in. That's for me. That's what I want to see, and I get really excited. And it just kind of reminded me of, you know, the way we still talk about Inception or Interstellar. I still things. got questions
0: with both of those. Moments. I
2: know, but it's that, it's that same kind of feeling as to like, yo, I, I just want to see what this guy does next. Well,
0: it's and it's funny seeing his slate because as we know, since we're, we're actively trying to push our other stuff out, you know, when we get a pitch uh, meeting, we're coming in with our pitch stock, we're coming in with character bios, with a full-on script, full-on idea for our unscripted ideas, but he's reached a point to where he can probably walk into a meeting with a napkin and be like... I uh, have this idea, and they'll just throw 100 million at him because yeah. they know he's going to recoup his money. Yeah. Like, the more successful you get, the less prepared you have to be because you're just, you're backed by it. And guys like Christopher Nolan and, and Alfonso uh, uh, Curran, like, they yeah. do that. Like, yeah. That's what it is.
2: I mean, if I was just working for a studio and he sat down, I'd be like, dude, make your movie. <laughs> I'm not going to get in the <laughs> way. How,
0: how about he
1: shot it himself, too? So yeah. he was the first DP to win an Oscar. That a movie for a movie that they also
2: directed. That's badass. That's wild. Also, it's bullshit that the cinematography uh, category was it aired over the commercials. Yeah, they cut that out. The Oscars did not air. Uh, Who won for this?
1: Did they fix it or no? They they added. They, they did. did. They, they ended up doing it. But, right there. So the the they didn't end up doing it, but that was that was rumored, and the the whole theory was that because um, he was going to be coming up there so much that they were like. <laughs> Okay, well, we can put one of his awards, yeah, um, you know, the cinematographer award, like on commercial, because he was just going to be up there again anyway.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. But still, <laughs> still, he's like, I want my roses. I want everybody to see this. Award. Right. I and shot it myself. I have two speeches. I want everyone it. to know this. <laughs> right. And yeah. it,
1: it's historical too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you, that's that's history. Him. Yeah. it. I up mean, here. just
0: just knowing with like DPs, what they have to do, and just in our experience being an All American, like that's a full on job. A lot of people when they when they're watching these shows, they really only care about who directed it, who wrote it, and who's starring in it. But when you see the production that is a show or a movie, and you see what the DP has to do he's really the soul of the show because if it's not shot right it's on him mm-hmm. and it's amazing that he's able to carry all those different hats he's yeah.
1: also working with the lighting and and camera so he's in the all camera the department he's in lighting and he's also in grip as well and these are obviously like inside baseball terms but basically like he's working with a bunch of different uh, departments essentially to like bring this to life with the director and the first stage. It's all incredible,
0: man. Together. Yeah. And when, it, you, when you listen to like conversation, he's like, oh, yeah, I did that. Like, oh, I did all these three things. Like, oh, it's, it's totally fine. I'm like, no, you are a killer, right?
2: Now. I think, and you know, Spence and I, would, we acknowledge like this is a crazy collaborative effort. Yeah. You know, so like, I think that's why with these awards, like, you know, that's why I called BS on that because like, you know, the work people put in. And like, some of these people on set, these like unsung heroes who really don't get any credit for, you know, the the creativity of the project or like where it's going, they're busting ass and they do it because they just wanted to work in the entertainment industry and they just wanted to be on sets.
0: Absolutely, man.
2: Um so Um, that's been cool. So yeah, I mean him shooting that himself and just seeing what we've seen just on a TV show, (laughs) I can't imagine that.
0: Well speaking of, you know, just wearing the different hats, like uh into the Spider Verse one best animated feature. And that's a that's a favorite for you. Yes. It's a favorite of mine, too, because they literally had to build a new technology to make this film. I know. I think that's... That, people that was don't Avatar. That was Avatar, too. Exactly. People don't understand what that means. They spent a, like a year and a half creating the software to make the movie before they made the movie. Yeah. It's wild.
2: Yeah. That, uh, that to me, was my best picture. Yeah. Um, that was my favorite of 2018. I know you had a couple... It's favorites. an all-star cast, though. Yeah, it was an all-star cast, and it was just... That was a movie that effortlessly I feel like like this movie this movie was everything I wanted it to be, yeah, it, and it was about you know it was about representation, it was about being seen, and at the the very last like like line of that movie is just basically like look at me at the beginning of this film and look at me now, and the what he goes through and everything I want in film you know I, i'm I, I love you know the emotional stakes and all this stuff, and I you know I do love the comic book stuff, but I'll appreciate a good film as a good film. And Spider-Verse, to me, was my favorite of 2018. I, I was mean, shocked
0: it didn't get a Best Picture nod,
2: <laughs> but also not, <laughs>
0: but also well, not. And he's wearing Air Jordan 1s, like
2: Chicago 1s. Spider-Man's climbing buildings with Jordans. Yeah. And oh, this stuff with his own. Oh, he I might go be all day.
0: Imagine this. He might be the first animated character. I mean, Lil' Penny was out there, but I don't think he had his own shoe. But imagine a Miles, a Miles Morales, like, Jordan collaboration to where he can have his own line of... Signature Jordans but we're all, That would be insane But we're also That's the in, future
2: What's insane to me Is we're in 2019 Is we're in a, a time Where My favorite movie of the year Can have a pig Dressed as a spider <laughs> And we can also Look at Like a rocket raccoon And not think twice About what we're seeing On film Yeah We're like I buy into this story Like Endgame trailer Looks gnarly and they sh- But they show a raccoon Walk through a door And nobody's like
0: what? Why is that raccoon walking? Why he? Why is he standing why up straight? is this space like, raccoon like? It's like no, it's, he's been through shit.
2: But I just I bought into Spider Verse just like I bought into that, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm excited for the sequel. But uh, I know for Best Picture, Green Book did win, ah. and you had a couple thoughts on that. I, it was fine with me, but it. But, mm. but what we were saying earlier about these things, like these are this is a learning experience. I feel like for yeah. Hollywood and a lot of the a lot of the people behind this
0: film. Well, like. This is just another movie in a long line of like white savior movies mm-hmm. uh, in, in the same vein as The Help, Hidden Figures, even like The Blind Side, where you have this person of color doing something extraordinary and you make the movie about somebody standing next to him. Mm-hmm. You know, like Don Shirley was a world renowned pianist and you make the movie primarily about his driver like well, it, does, it just doesn't make sense it, to me. In
2: fact-checking too, and learning more about the pro, like the development process, and being through numerous development processes, it gets messy. Yeah. People mm-hmm. people get ugly, and they and they do things that you know uh, seem uncharacteristic, and you wonder why they're doing this. But you know, in the development process for this, we understand it was a timely move, like yeah. what they were doing. They, they were, were ta- they were absolutely they were telling a the white the guy times. black guy story, and they were going to the times, and that's okay. But. In the way they told it and what I've read and what I've learned is, you know, Shirley's family
0: didn't even know about this. Well, the movie was written by, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Tony Villalonga, uh, his son, and that's the main character who- H- uh,
2: Hugo uh, Weaving's character's kid. No,
0: yeah, wait. Is it Not Hugo son? Weaving, I'm uh, sorry. Viggo
2: uh, Mortensen's, yeah. I always
0: get those two confused. <laughs> uh,
2: crazy names. Uh, his- Kid His character's kid.
0: His character's kid wrote it, but he didn't consult with Don Shirley's family. Now it comes out that apparently Don Shirley told him not to talk to anybody and to make the movie after he's dead. But that's where it gets convoluted is, how could you not talk to the family of the guy whose movie you're making it about? And even when the family comes out and says, a lot of this shit is not accurate, the producers come out and say, no, yes, it Like is. You're making a movie about somebody's member of a family and you're telling them hey you're wrong yeah it's just it's just weird it's i don't understand
2: well, it i think that's why kind of what i mean where that we're look I, I liked i liked what the how the oscars i liked the oscars this year like i liked how they looked there was a lot of you know different forms of representation that hadn't been there before but in the way it's being projected and who's getting to tell those stories i think we have a lot to learn in that regard
0: yeah, we're in, a, we're in a trial and error period right now. I mean, everything that's coming out has a hidden agenda underneath it, mm-hmm. and that's that's totally fine because I know in the next couple of years, like, we're going to mold it into what we want it to be now.
2: And that's why I love Spider Verse. Yeah. People came together. It didn't harp on what we already know. You know, in 2019, I feel like we're batting the same head about like like the same issues every day. But you know, we're just complaining about them in a lot of ways. <laughs> and in this movie, it's like embracing our differences, coming together, and doing this amazing thing.
0: I mean, and I love that. I roll my eyes at any like racially charged movie right now. I don't want to see it like i've I've seen it. I know the stories. I've lived it. like just show me cool shit. Don't show me the black guy and the white guy getting together to tackle the world. Like right. we've seen it right it's Which, It's
1: just a tired story, and it happened. I mean, this isn't new. like you said, this happened back uh, in the sixty second academy Awards mm-hmm. with driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. it's just. Like, instead, it's uh, the black guy and, and the white woman. Yeah. Right? That was
2: the comparison they were making, too. Yeah. Was driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Uh, and Do
1: the Right Thing, which didn't even get nominated. Exactly. Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing didn't even get nominated that year. And exactly. then it's like Spike Lee's going against another movie in sports. We love rematches and <laughs> right, rivalries. And again, yeah. like, well, Spike Lee doesn't win that.
0: It's funny because Spike Lee, like, for this next year, we're going to see Spike Lee's ass. Like, he I think he's he's won I mean he's uh been nominated four or five times, I believe, and this is his first win. This is first win. You haven't seen a post of Spike Lee's with with Spike Lee without his Oscar with him. Like he is somebody, no. he's gonna take a shit with it, he's gonna go to sleep yeah. with it. Like, oh, have you seen my Oscar? Like, yes, it's Spike, like we've seen passenger, Oscar. passenger seat, <laughs> seat belt around it. Like but I mean do it. I mean, he to me, he's had other movies. He should be a three or four-time uh, Oscar winner by now, but the fact that he finally got here is like, celebrate. Do what you want. Like, I want to get tired of seeing him with his Oscar because he earned it.
2: Yeah, and I, I, it's it'll be fun to kind of see what he does and kind of where, you know, what projects move forward from here and how that will look in a year. Um, but in regards to the best picture, yeah, I mean, Green Book was a relatively mediocre film to me. Yeah. Um, I, I I feel like this is the academy kind of being like, hey, you made a you know you made a black and white movie. Here's just a, here's just a still pat on work. the back, and that's and that's what we're acknowledging. And, and it, I think it's cool, you know, we can watch that and have an honest conversation about that, and understand that, hey, we we see film the same way, and we want these stories told. It's just sometimes it's important to understand what perspective they're being told from. Yeah.
0: As for I mean, as for awards and our favorites, uh, we can kind of go into. What we like. Um, yeah. You, you want to go first? I mean, I what? went on
2: Spider-Verse. That was my favorite movie of 20, yeah. 2018. But this was the year I actually came around to horror films mm. and, like, thrillers. And I saw A Quiet Place. That movie was the movie <clears> was <throat> rad. And I know you hate, like, silence. You hate dead Bro, silence.
0: Silence in movies is a killer. Like, we've talked about this. When it comes to – imagine, remember I Am Legend. When yeah. his dog goes into that building and it's completely silent, completely dark – you couldn't, you couldn't hear anything, couldn't see anything. I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, something's gonna fucking pop out, and I know I'm gonna jump. I'm not gonna be prepared for it. So, to have a full movie about that, ah, I'm good.
2: You also good. like hate
0: spider like things. So, you'd probably, absolutely, you'd probably hurl. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> don't tell people I don't like spiders. Means, like, <laughs> like, I actively tell people, like, don't tell people I'm scared of spiders because I don't want them sending me pictures yeah, of spiders. But, I probably just like snitched on myself, but. But a quiet place is worth it. I'll see it,
1: I haven't yet. You haven't? Shit.
2: Okay, well, I'm glad that this is my go-see of 2018 because Krasinski's already doing, John Krasinski's already doing. Yeah, from The Office. We we don't know that. I I know that. I know Jim and Pam. (laughs) Everyone knows Jim and Pam. Um, And uh, it was great. They're already doing the second one. Mm -hmm. Um, But... uh, that was kind of a sleeper for me, and yeah. it kind of got me down this horror path. And now I'm like watching Conjuring one and two, and like getting all weird. So, well,
0: it was it was it's been a funny ten years with even more than ten years with horror movies. And I feel like now they're coming back to actually telling cool stories, because in like the, the mid to early two thousands, every horror movie was just a demented, dirty white girl creeping up on you. So it was like I don't want to watch this shit because The Ring is the same as. They is the, same, is the same as whatever other five movies that came out there. Like, Grudge. The Grudge. Like, all, all those movies are, are exactly the same. Why are
2: children so terrifying in these scary
0: movies? It's I like a
2: little girl. And, and orphan. Like, and they're, orphan. Exactly. The ring. She walks out of that
0: TV. That's why I just stopped seeing it because I'm like, oh, I've seen this movie Scary Boys movie one, two, times times and three. <laughs> I
1: think everyone wakes up and their kid is like waking them up and that's the first thing they see. They're like, that's the
2: scariest yeah. thing for them. We're <laughs> like Georgie and It. Like Exactly, this man. Is, like... It's like innocence being all like terrifying, and I don't like it. But.
0: I mean my my favorite movie. I actually have two, um, and we'll give the we'll give the first one to to mid nineties, mm-hmm. mid nineties written and directed by Jonah Hill. That was a movie for me that played heavy into nostalgia. Although yeah. I'm not a skateboarder, yeah. like I I've, I've never really ridden a skateboard, but. Just talking about Los Angeles and the different clusters that you can find yourself in within Los Angeles, especially in like literally the mid 90s, they went down to the details when it came to when it came to the details of of the graffiti, the wardrobe, the wardrobe, just the overall aesthetic. Sh- the, even how they shot it was very gritty, very like 90s film. and I remember that time a lot where, of Jeep,
2: Jeep Grand Cherokees.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I remember that time where you know you didn't have your cell phone to distract you. You, didn't, you had video games, but it was a very early version of video games. So you really had to rely on yourself and your family and your friends to just get through the day. And what was the system in 95? Was it a just Sega? Just n- regular Nintendo? It was probably, I think it was probably like a Sega or Nintendo. Duck Hunt? Bare Bones, though. Like, yeah. But just how he shot it, you know, the dialogue in it, a lot of the actors were first-time actors and, and pro skaters – I thought that was really cool because he really wanted to paint that picture of an authentic experience. Like, you can't teach somebody how to skateboard for a movie. Like, you have to get people that are ingrained to that life. And I well, think they killed it. It was cool. We uh,
2: we uh, went to a QA and a opening night yeah, at yeah. Uh, the Landmark in West L.A. And, you know, that skate shop and that show takes place off of Motor. Mm-hmm. Motor is right near the Landmark, and that's an L.A. Staples, a street, and stuff like that. And that skateboard culture – I wasn't much of a skater yeah. growing up, but I was in that culture – And I felt like I was in my cousin's garage. Yeah. You know, in the South Bay again. So it uh that was that was an experience because the whole the whole time hearing them, how they were cast and like what they were saying, like all those were skaters and they were LA kids. Yeah. I think Sonny the lead was he was an actor. He did like the house with the clock in its walls, yeah, and a
0: couple other things. He also had a crazy potty mouth being like 10 (laughs) years old. When he when he first like started talking, he was just like, I'm just so fucking happy this movie's out. I'm like, like whoa, dude. Yo, how old are you? Yeah. But it was it was cool because, again, it speaks to that culture of just like not really giving a fuck and actually giving a fuck about the things you want to give a fuck about and not playing into anything that you don't. Yeah. Like uh, Jonah Hill said he rewrote the movie, I believe, 27 times yeah. where each person in the movie is sort of an offshoot of – him growing up a different embodiment of him growing up which i thought was cool and i know even after seeing that movie and I, I i bought the digital copy on itunes like i looked to that movie to see what i can bring to the world in that capacity like what's what's something in my life that i can show in that capacity because it was so personal to him and and he did it like he, he did the shit that was that was probably one of my favorite ones like another one of my favorite ones is a. Uh, American Animals. Uh, It was written and directed by Bart Layton, uh, starring Evan Peters, Blake Jenner, and Barry Krogan. And a lot of people don't really know about this movie, but everybody that I've talked to that have seen it are like, yo, this shit was fucking amazing. So it was pretty much about. That's what you said. Yeah, it was about, like, (laughs) for good reason. Like, it was about four kids that tried to rob a uh, Transylvania University library. Because it had a rare set of books, uh, and uh, it was Transylvania.
2: Like Transylvania University. Like Dracula. Yeah, cool.
0: cool. But they they tried cool. to they tried to steal these uh, rare books, and it was interesting because how the director did it. He incorporated the real life guys that attempted the heist and the actors into it, and the whole idea is just essentially around how well do you remember your memories, because that was the movie where. One guy is saying what really happened, where another guy is saying his perspective, and they don't necessarily line up. And they're just intertwining both the real and and what would be, um, you know, the fiction of it. And I just thought it was, I just thought it was beautifully made. I think yeah. this guy, I think this guy, uh, Bart Layton, who again wrote and directed it, he's going to get some good work, and he has a fan in me.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, I've been I've been interested in that movie. So. I've been telling you to
0: see this movie. I know you've been talking about it forever.
2: So. <laughs> the fact that you get to get that out there i know you're, you're i might happy. watch it tonight what what are you guys looking
1: forward to like 2018 was a great you know year in movies whatever we had into the spider verse um, and then we were a little lukewarm on <laughs> green book but what are you guys looking forward to in in 2019 for movies what do you think
2: as a shot already early shot early predictions i'm i mean i just want to see uh, seth rogan as the warthog in Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i really want to
0: see yeah i can't wait for
2: that. uh I mean I'll, go, I'll I'll take it I, I really will, I'm I mean clearly like we said like I'm a, I'm a comic nerd like the idea that Endgame is actually happening Avengers Endgame in April is crazy to me. Yeah. I do want to see Captain Marvel. I think that'll be great, but Endgame to me is probably the staple um and just kind of seeing how Marvel transitions after that Fox merger and what yeah. happens. You know, we're going to see castings, we're going to see big news come out, you know, and we were talking last night like uh or we were talking this week Spencer was like was saying, you know, my my Wolverine is Hugh Jackman. Yeah. But my daughter's Wolverine is about to be... We were watching Solo yet, uh, recently, and yeah. we were like, could it be that kid? Could it be someone? You know, we What's were just name? like yeah. Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's like, the jaw. It's the jaw. You got to go jaw. You got to go jaw. When what you're about, casting...
0: oh uh, no, 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 no. When you're casting Batman and Wolverine, you got to look at the jaw first. Yeah. And I think I think Alden and a dark horse, Jamie Dornan, from yeah. uh, from Fifty Shades, 50 Shades of Shades Gray, though that they could be my Wolverine for the next fifteen years. I'm totally fine with that. But I think we'll have in in twenty years, we'll have me and my daughter will have that scene from Neighbors where Seth Rogen and uh, what's his name.
2: If uh, okay, Logan and Zach or is
0: like, who's your Batman? I'm Batman. Michael Keaton. No, I'm Batman. Like, like we're yeah. going to have that, and yeah. I can't wait for it. Christian Bale.
2: <laughs> and there's someone out there who's like Ben Affleck.
0: Yeah, somebody's out there. Uh, somebody's who, out there
1: saying that. Who do you think is more iconic in their role? Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine,
0: or uh,
2: Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Easy. Easy. Downey Jr. Yeah. Look what he's done with that. Like, I've, like the X Men failed. Like the last movie is coming out. Like right. they bought the rights. I get that, but those movies weren't good enough to keep up with what right. Downey was doing. But yeah. uh, but
1: what I guess my question is, who's more synonymous with that character? Mm. Just the character in that's, and of itself.
0: That's a, I think it's a tight race, but I will give it to Robert Downey Jr. because he kicked off an entire genre that we didn't know we wanted. And even when they were making Iron Man One, it was like. This is his role. We wrote this for him to star in.
2: Studios like, have struggled in trying to replicate that model, and mm-hmm. it's changed Hollywood to me. Like, what Downey Jr. did agreeing to that and moving forward with with what Marvel's done to me, like, that's also why it's just so impressive as a as a business. Yeah. Like, this shared universe idea, like, the first few, uh, you know, DC movies, they were trying to figure that out, you know, yeah. and now they're, you know, I feel like they're finally getting a hold of that, mm-hmm. um, which I love, and I, I loved Aquaman and all that, but... I think by end game there's twenty two or twenty-three Marvel movies and Tony Stark will have been in ten. And yeah. that's and he is the through line.
0: But and to that, like not discredit Hugh Jackman, like No, never. I think I think once it's now that he's finally stepped away from the role and we'll be able to live with it and and see where the new Wolverine goes, we're gonna revisit those old uh, X Men and Wolverine movies and be like, actually like he was he was the guy. Yeah. He was the guy for it. And yeah.
2: that's a good question though.
0: Power to him. Yeah, uh, one yeah. movie I'm excited for, actually two, is Us by Jordan Peele. Yes, Because March 22nd. He he killed Get Out like that was, I didn't know I needed to see that movie, but once I sat in there and got fully like sucked into the sunken place, like I was all for it. Like so to have, I I'm hearing that it might be in a similar like in a, like a shared universe. Oh really? That he's building out. I don't know. I don't know too many details about it, but if it is, it'd be fucking crazy. But that's the Marvel model. Yeah, it's exactly
2: like, what we're talking about. So. Another
0: one. Another one is Detective Pikachu. Yeah, Detective Pikachu. Like,
2: I never thought I'd want to see a Pokemon. Movie I still have I my do. Pokemon
0: cards. It's in a blue notebook that has them all filed, and it says it says in whiteout, "Keep out" with like a skull and bones on it. Like, I still have it. It's. it's I my didn't know until that
2: trailer came out. I didn't know this guy like lost his shit over Pokemon.
0: Yo, me, uh, Mewtwo is in the trailer, a and Mew- I was like, a Mewtwo. <laughs> shut, shut. Don't just. <laughs> but if you're <laughs> if you're a kid in the nineties. The first Pokemon game came out. Oh. The first Pokemon game came out in- Producer Matt's got a keychain. Who <laughs> is <It was>, that? Uh,
1: <laughs> I got a keychain, so my, I I don't want to interrupt, but I got a keychain uh, with Eevee on I'm there. I'm with it. I'm with, like, I, I'm uh, with Pokemon take, too, man.
0: If If you were take a kid court, you and too. you played those games, red, blue, gold, silver, like, how are you not excited to see uh, Pikachu and these other thousands of other Pokemon? Like- Obviously, I came around when it was the original like 150 or so, and Mew and Mewtwo were the ancient Pokemon, and they've since gone on with like hundreds of other different iterations. But I always wanted to see a world where like Pokemon are just walking around with regular people, and we get to see it. And it looks really good. It's going to make a shit ton of money. It looks rad. And they're going to start a universe, and I'm totally here for it. And Professor Oak, Autumn. Ryan Reynolds is, it sounds great. Ryan Reynolds is getting, I'm excited. He's, he's getting paid to play himself again, and I'm not tired of it yet.
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's kind of just found it with the whole Deadpool routine. So, hey, power to him. They he a
0: crossover with Deadpool and Now he's Pikachu. a
2: Pokemon, but this you were excited. You saw Mewtwo, and you were like, dude, that's Mewtwo. And yeah. I'm like, cool.
0: I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I mean,
2: yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, no, so that in 2019, I mean, basically just kind of seeing the steps the industry takes. It's a transition phase in a lot of ways, but, you know even on our end, you know, like to see what projects develop is always exciting and what, what kind of people gravitate towards, um, in our own right. And it'll be kind of, it's always interesting to see what the public does too. So, um,
0: yeah, I think, um, I'm excited for
2: 2019.
0: Yeah. And even, even just for this podcast, I know we're we're about to wrap up, but uh, this is what we want to bring to the table. Uh, just, uh, A landscape for us to talk openly and freely about TV and film from our perspective like yeah we sit here and do this on your couch all the time like why not record it and put it out to the world and add some interesting voices to the conversation and over the over the course of this podcast we're gonna have you know your favorite professional athletes and celebrities that had a history in sports or just our avid sports fans coming on and we think this could be a uh, just a great platform to just talk all things TV and film
2: yeah just an open dialogue about you know how these two worlds come across one another way more than we than we like than we think um but uh yeah it's gonna be a just a great conversation overall just celebrities athletes and uh just the entertainment space where it's going where it's at and uh what we what we're getting out of it so I'm excited we're excited this season we want to hear your thoughts and uh if there's anything you want you want to hear on our end? You know we're we're open. We'll be doing this weekly.
0: Yeah, shoot us uh shoot us Instagram DM or or tweet us uh, my Instagram and Twitter name is Paysinger without the vowels P Y S N G R. Mine is at
2: Dane Mork because no one else Dane Mork <laughs> in the world. There's like one D A N E M O R C K.
1: Oh gosh, uh, well uh, ha- at uninterrupted for one, but my own <laughs> personal. Um, I'm at hip hip underscore Peray and that's P A R E. I love it. Thank you, thank I you. Too. Yeah, uh, on uh, on Twitter and then Instagram is at Matt Peray.
2: Yeah. So again, on the WRTS podcast, uninterrupted, and we'll be here weekly. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for Do listening ha- to Film Study. Do we have a sign off? Do we have a sign off yet? We sign off. Little like uh, little
0: catchphrase.
2: We'll get there.
1: Yeah. Subtitle to a movie. Is that, <laughs> a little is lo- that it? Little log line. We'll get there.
2: We'll get there. That'll do. What do you mean it's broke? That'll do, pig. <laughs> I don't know. Right. We'll think of one. We'll have a new one e- each week. Well, yeah. one. we'll sign off we'll, each week. We'll
0: figure something out. Film related. Ha-ha. It'll definitely be a movie
1: quote, though. Yeah. yeah. Casablanca. I never think that far What is it? I, I never think that far ahead. Or something like that. There you go. That's ours. <laughs> there it is. I'll
2: take a scotch and water, hold the
0: scotch. <laughs> Just make a joke, Bobby. All right. Enough with the puns. We're I'm out. done. I could go all day. Peace.